0: Good morning again. I don't think Nettie, you didn't get the message about how cold it's going to be, but you're dressed pretty well. (laughs) Okay, if you would, please turn in your Bibles to the book of Hebrews, chapter 9. I'll be reading Hebrews, chapter 9, verses 27 in 28. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Blessed is the reading of God's holy infallible gospel. Father, oh, may we see the profundity in these two verses. May we feel it. And may we be those who rejoice because of it. To the glory of the only Savior, your Son and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. This passage written to the church, it, it is meant to sober us up to the eternal joy that is in Jesus Christ. Now, we are dealing with these two verses, one sentence, which happens to be one of those top ten most memorized and known Little passages in all the New Testament. Notice the structure of the verses first. Verse 27. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. Okay, that's the reality. There's the fact. Verse 28. So... Christ, literally, also, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for Him. In other words, because every human being will die and then will come the judgment of God, Therefore, notice the loving mercy. Therefore, Christ also. We die and we come into judgment. Christ then comes to die and to later save us from judgment. These two verses, this one sentence is one of the most comprehensive and penetrating sentences in all the Bible. And the stakes do not get any higher than this. So let's slowly work our way through it. Verse 27. And just as it is appointed... For man to die once. Notice first, we all have an appointment. It's an appointment that we didn't make. God made that appointment for each of us. When Adam in the garden sinned, death came to all human beings into the world through that sin. Romans 5.12 puts it this way. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, Adam, and thus death came into the world through sin, And so death spread to all men and women because all sinned. Because the penalty of sin is death. Remember God warned Adam in the garden. Adam, the day you sin, you shall Surely die. Adam, meaning man, the human race, will surely die. And God brought that about. He's absolutely in control. Sovereign over everything. He has appointed each one of your birthdays and your death days. Job makes this stunning statement after his children were tragically killed. In Job one twenty one, he says, Naked I came in from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. Yahweh gave, and Yahweh has taken away. Blessed be the name of Yahweh. And he was not wrong because the very next verse says, In all of this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. God has made a, an appointment, no matter what your age is in here, for your death. The when and the how. Do you remember how Jesus looked Peter in the eye at the beach at the Sea of Galilee? And He told him by what kind of a death He would suffer decades later. And He said to Peter, or I'm sorry, John said concerning it, This Jesus said, to Peter, in order to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And Peter got, well, what about John over there? And remember, Jesus said to Peter, Peter, look, if, if it's my will for him to remain until I come back and return, what is that to you? You follow me. In other words... Christ decides when and how His people die. If I want Him to remain, Peter, He will. If I take Him, then I take Him. God has made an appointment for all of us to die. We are all going to die to die. That's the first thing. Notice, secondly, the word once. Once. Not again, and then again, and then again. There is no such thing as reincarnation. No one is coming back in any form The point of the word once is to make it clear about the finality of death. We're conceived and we die one time. And that's the end of this temporal, mortal life. The Bible is a wonderful gift in order to awaken us, to sober us up to what is really important in this life. The reason that death is so serious in this passage is because the next clause says, And after that death comes judgment. It is appointed for man to die once. And after that comes judgment. Death is not the end of our existence and that's what's so important and terrifying about it. God has appointed a great day, a day of justice being finalized. And on that day, God will announce condemnation with Eternal punishment. And He will do it in perfect justice. And that's the most terrifying prospect in the universe. We are born into this world, every one of us sinful to the core of our beings. And the great reality of death is right now whether we want to wake up to it or not, it is rushing at all of us like a freight train, with the prospect that we will meet a perfectly holy and just creator. And the writer, he makes very clear what this justice entails. Just jump down a few verses. To chapter 10, verse 27, he writes, There is a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. And then a few verses later in verses 30 to 31, For we know Him who said, Vengeance. Is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge His people. And so he concludes, It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. So when when our text says that we have an appointment with death, and then the judgment. It means there will be divine justice meted out in vengeance, which will consume God's adversaries. We're meant to grasp that, we're meant to feel these sober realities. So that we would understand and love the next verse. We would understand as those who profess Christ as Savior, we would really believe in the love of God in Jesus Christ. That's the point of verse 28. That's the point of the comparison between verses 27 and 28. True Christians feel verse 27. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, we're meant to feel that so that we would really get and cling to verse 28. So also Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, He will appear a second time. Not not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for Him. You see it? Christ Jesus became a human being so that He would go through the experience of death. But what He did in His death is so powerful that when all of us go through our death and then the, the judgment, if you're in Christ, that experience of death and the judgment, because of Christ, will be changed. You see the parallel? Verse 27, we die. Verse 28, so also Christ died. In other words, because we must go through death and judgment, therefore Jesus went through death and judgment. But the difference is the key to the whole thing that He lays out in verse 28. His death was an offering to bear the sins Of many. This is the core of the gospel. When Jesus died, He bore in His person sins. He took to the judgment bar of the Divine One. Sins that were not his own. He suffered for the sins of others so that we could go free of guilt when our death and then the judgment come. Remember, what he's doing here in verses 27 and 28 is expounding on what we saw last week in the verse before. Verse 26, Jesus has appeared once for all at the end of the ages in order to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. That's the answer to the biggest problem that every human being on this earth this day who's still breathing has. That's the answer. Whether they're awake to that answer or not, verse 27 is... Reality. It is appointed for man to die one time. And then, after that, comes the judgment. There's an answer for people who are breathing today on this earth. There is an answer to how to get right with God, with the Judge. And the answer is simply and only the Person, Jesus, the Messiah who who bore in His body, The sins of all who would ever believe in Him. He took the penalty, the punishment that our sins deserved. We're all desperate, whether we know we are or not, at this moment. So if you don't know that verse 28 is referring to you, wake up. We're desperate to see that verse 28 is referring to me. Being saved from judgment. Because every single one of us in this room is going to die. what an amazing freedom if we can know that my death no longer means a future punishment waiting for me. Because Jesus took that away. For all of God's children, their death is not the Horrific gateway into eternal wrath at the future judgment to come. Romans 5 9 says it clearly this way. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more. In the future shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. Death becomes the entrance into eternal salvation from the judgment of condemnation. That's what it means when it says, So also Christ, having been offered up in death once to bear the sins of many, He will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for Him. This passage is clear, there are two advents, two, in other words, comings of Christ. The the first coming was His coming through the womb of Mary, His mother, in order to offer Himself as a bloody sacrifice, in order to put away... Sin. He came the first time, in other words, in order to deal with sin. That's why verse 28 says, the second coming is not to deal with sin. It's already been dealt with. And there's even more in this verse. We still have to face death. Christ came, He faced death, He bore our guilt and our punishment, and we must still face death and the judgment. And so, Christ, it says, He will come a second time for us. This time, not, not, not to deal with the sin problem we had. He's dealt with that. But the second time, he'll come to save us from the judgment. That's amazing. Oh, we should understand the gospel. We should understand what comes before the other thing, etc. We should understand what the Bible really teaches us about that. that. That's what verse 28 means when it says, He will appear a second time. Literally, in the Greek, it's for salvation, unto salvation. That's not a salvation that's added to the salvation that Christ Jesus already purchased. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is, then, which is still future, which in a sense, you're not saved yet from that, meaning that's the culmination of the one whole salvation. That's why when you read carefully through the New testament it speaks of salvation in three tenses past present and future it speaks we have been we were saved when when i was spiritually born again or raised from the dead what in other words manifested by when i placed my faith in christ i was justified but it also speaks that we are presently being saved as God is working sanctification in us. And it speaks about the future. When Jesus returns, then we shall be saved. Completely. Jesus purchased it all. He died to bear sin and to free us from the judgment to come in order to bring us into the culmination of all of it at His second coming. When He comes back, we will be raised from the dead and covered with the glory of Christ. And thus we will be protected from what we read earlier. The fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. So we still all have death in front of us. And we must face the judgment seat. But if you're in... Christ Here's the experience of that according to Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verses 7 to 9 No matter what you're going through he's saying in this life pain and sickness and persecution and heartache and emotional turmoil and your your brokenness and All of that as a Christ Jesus lover, he says, and he will come in order to grant relief to you who are afflicted, as well as to us. When, he says when, when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven, that's when. When he is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and the glory of His might when He comes back on that day for the purpose of being enjoyed, marveled at by all who believe. Romans 5, 9-10 puts it like this. Since therefore, we have now been justified, past tense. Since now we have been justified by His blood, much more shall we, future tense, shall we then, in the future, be saved by Him from the wrath of God. For if... While we were enemies, past tense, we were reconciled to God, past tense, by the death of His Son, much more, now that we are reconciled, present tense, shall we, future tense, be saved by His life. That day is coming. And it's it's the death of Christ at His first coming that guaranteed the future salvation of many on the judgment day, at His second coming. And that brings us to probably the most important question that we should ask of this text. Who? Are the many of verse twenty eight? So Christ, having been offered once in order to bear the sins of many. In other words, for whom? For whom is Jesus? Returning in order to bring salvation. You don't need to look outside the passage. It's right there in the same verse. So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, he, Jesus, will appear a second time. Not to deal with sin, but to save the many. That's the logic. But he defines the many. To save those who are eagerly waiting for him. What must be true? about any of us in order to know that our sins are taken away and that Jesus is coming back to save me from the judgment to come. The answer of this text is clear. It is to be a person who is eagerly waiting for him. Jesus is coming back in order to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. The point is that eager expectation of Christ's return is a sign that we love him. That we have longings for him. A sign that we have, in other words, genuine, saving faith. It longs for Christ as the treasure in the field that a man found and covered it back up and went home. Sold all he had in order to buy the field. This is sobering for every person around the world this morning who are sitting in churches just like us. Do we take inventory of our faith with this verse? Because it is not isolated, one little thing in the Bible. This is not peripheral. This is the core of what the Gospel is and what it calls us to. Hear it again. Christ Jesus, He he will come back. He will appear a second time. Not to deal with sin, but to save those persons who are eagerly Waiting for Him. The second coming of Christ is central to the affections of true saving faith. Caleb and I were going through theology together. And this word affection comes up a lot. And when we say affections, what we mean is not merely we're like a computer, the computer part of us called our mind or, or our brain, logic and facts. You've got to have that, but, but the affections has to do, that thing that moves the heart that you can't explain when you see a sunset or a baby born or into looking into your wife's eyes. It's, the, there's an affection that's part of the whole being in the soul. That's what he's saying eagerly waiting. As Paul said in Second Corinthians 5-7, we, we live our lives. We walk by faith. In a sense, there's so much that we can't taste or see at the moment. We, we walk by faith and not by sight. And then Paul goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 52, he tells us that there is a day that is coming when We shall not all die, sleep. But, we shall all be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound Oh my. And the dead. Will be raised. Imperishable. Immortal. And we shall all be changed. That's what the apostles are talking about. That's the eager expectation of the future and oh it impacts the present see the 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 present of what's going on that's connected to that is the way paul put it in second corinthians chapter i think 3 or 4 when he said god Who said, let light shine out of darkness, is the one who, by mercy, He spoke, He has shown, shined in our hearts. Where your affections are. In our hearts, in order to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. In the face of Jesus Christ. He says, the light shines and we see glimpses of this glory. We behold. In the word of God is the larger context when Paul writes that. We're beholding the desirableness of God in His mercy, through His Son, in the face of Jesus Christ. We have new eyes, eyes of the heart, of the affections to see. That's what's going on in Christians in this world. But there is a glory to come that we do not yet see, but we long for. And Paul calls that the blessed hope. This is how he says it in Titus 2.13. We are, during this life now, here we are, while he was one of us like this in his mortality before death. We are presently waiting for our blessed hope. He defines it. What is that? He says it is the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus' second coming is referred to as the revealing of His glory there. And the Apostle Peter tells us essentially the same thing when he writes in 1 Peter 4.13. Christians, rejoice! Experience joy! Find joy! insofar as you share in Christ's sufferings. Why? So that you may also rejoice and be glad when His glory at the second coming is revealed. We saw in 2 Thessalonians 1, Paul made it clear, Jesus is coming back in order to be glorified in His saints. To be marveled at among all who have believed. Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, For the Lord Himself, He will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ, they'll rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet Jesus in the air. And thus, we will always be with the Lord. Or the way Paul says it in Philippians 3, Believer, Our citizenship, it is in heaven. And from it, from heaven, we await a Savior. The Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious resurrected human body. He'll do it by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. So no wonder the Apostle Peter writes this general letter, epistle to be distributed through all the churches, throughout all the known regions of the Roman Empire where the churches are planted. In other words, to all of us Christians. And no wonder that in light of a lot of religion, he sounds like he's just over the top, too radical. But he says, set your hope fully. On what? On the grace that in the future will be brought to you at the revelation or second coming of Jesus Christ. Oh, what a God, what a salvation. Sovereign grace, let us always continue to love His appearing the first time as the Lamb of God who took away sins of the world and let us also eagerly await His second coming as King and conqueror to save. So what is it? What is faith at its core? Who are being saved? All who believe in Him. What is that belief? What what does it mean? We know that there's false faith. What is the seed form of that miracle in the heart of sinners like like us? In other words, what is it? It's never perfect. It's never full. It, It is a faith that has invaded our spirits, our souls... And left our old, sinful man, flesh, nature, with us. It, 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 it's a war. It's a complex life. But, but, but that seed form of genuine faith, it's a heart that, that connects... With those promises of Jesus' second coming. Peter summarized what's going on in us as we struggle and we suffer and we sin and we repent and we rejoice and we cry. What is it? What is the core of it, Peter? Here's his answer. Though you, unlike me, the Apostle Peter, you've never seen Jesus in the flesh like I have, but nevertheless, you love him. And, and though right now, presently, you do not see him, but what's going on in you is this you believe in him and you rejoice with a joy that is inexpressible and it's filled with glory that's the faith that is obtaining the salvation of your souls let me close it this way it is our text and just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, he will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those persons who are eagerly waiting. Let's pray. Oh, Father, would you continue to work that wonderful gift of faith strongly in us, your people, that we would be like a bride waiting for her groom. Oh, let us be a church ready for you, Lord Jesus. Jesus with every heart longing for our King as we sing, even so, come, Lord Jesus, come, let us stand and sing it.